0: Up, everybody. This is the Brokenness to Faith podcast. Um, We are going to be talking on something new today, a new topic, a new episode. We are going to be talking about when religion gets in the way of loving your neighbor. But before we get into that topic, we are going to let you know you can um, hit us up on Brokenness to Faith at gmail.com. Hit us up on Instagram, Brokenness underscore two underscore faith. have questions, comments, concerns, disagreements, topics you would like us to talk about, please email us, hit us up on Instagram, Um, even if you disagree with what we say, we're trying to pull things from scripture, but we are totally open uh, to what you guys want to hear or thoughts, comments, um, maybe even just appreciation, I don't know, whatever, Um, you can hit us up there, but today's topic is when religion gets in the way of loving your neighbor And I have a special guest with us today. He runs the New Friends Ministry at Valley Christian Assembly. If you want to introduce yourself.
1: Absolutely. My name is Mike Alejo.
0: That's all you need to know. It's, It's in his bio, Mike Alejo. He runs a New Friends Ministry at Valley Christian Assembly. It's where they seek to reach new people that come through the church to make them feel welcome, to have a good conversation with them. I think in society today, People are missing the, the basics of just a good conversation, just shooting the breeze with people face-to-face. We don't get that in our society anymore. And things like that to draw people in to keep them coming um, and draw them closer to the Lord. So when religion gets in the way of loving our neighbor, our main scripture is Luke ten twenty-five 25-37, and that's the Good Samaritan story. I'm going to read it for you here, NIV version. And then after we read this, we'll dissect some of it. We'll talk about different things. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, The one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Well, first off, the question I have is the question this guy pretty much asked, but at the same time, um, still I have thoughts in my mind about it, is who is our neighbor? And I like what it says at the end where it says um, the one who had mercy on them. And he goes on, Jesus goes on to say, go and do likewise. So we, if we are looking for our neighbors, we are supposed to be mercy to our neighbors. We're supposed to be mercy doers to our neighbors. We're called to love people. We are called to do good to our neighbors. Now, to me, neighbor isn't just who you live next to, but our neighbor is specifically the people around us that we are around every day. The waiters and waitresses maybe we constantly see at the restaurants we go to. Our barbers, our hairstylists, our co-workers, the, the, the checkout lady at the grocery store, whoever, those are our neighbors. And we are not called to just love the people we like, but we're called to love everybody and be a neighbor to everybody. I like these lyrics from Porter's Gate Worship Project. They, they wrote in this song, uh, Little Things with Great Love. In the garden of our Savior, no flower grows unseen. His kindness reigns like water on every humble seed. No simple act of mercy escaped his watchful eye, for there is one who loves me, his hand is over mine. In the kingdom of the heavens no suffering is unknown, each tear that falls is holy, each breaking heart a throne. There is a song of beauty on every weeping eye, for there is one who loves me, his heart it breaks with mine. O oh, the deeds forgotten, O oh, the works unseen, every drink of water flowing graciously. Every tender mercy you're making glorious. This you have asked us, do little things with great love, little things with great love. At the table of our Savior, no mouth will go unfed. His children in the shadows stream in and raise their heads. Oh, give us ears to hear them, and give us eyes that see. For there is one who loves them, I am his hands and feet. For there is one who loves them, I am his hands and feet. Um, I just like those lyrics, um, you know, called to be our neighbor, and sometimes being the neighbor, to a good neighbor, doing little things for people, you know, just helping someone out. I, you know, we're, we're at a church in the West Coast, but maybe in the East Coast there's lots of snow. Maybe you shovel your neighbor's, you know, front yard for them in the morning. Little things that we could do. I want to read um, one more paragraph of something, and then I'm going to turn it to you, Mike. Um, this is from a book I read called Compassion Not Compromise and specifically talking about the verse we just read, the parable of of the Good Samaritan. The two religious men in this parable are not portrayed in a positive light. Both the priest and the Levite are men who have the right religion. They follow the God of Abraham, but the way they dogmatically carry out their religion keeps them from loving the injured man. They know that if the man is dead and they touch him, they would be ceremonially unclean. Therefore, they don't even get near enough to see if he is alive rather than paving the way for them to love others, their religion becomes an excuse and a barrier. They become bad examples of what it means to be a follower of God. It has become a popular notion that Christians are known much more for what we are against than what we are for. In some ways, this is unavoidable. Certainly, we want to make such the integrity of Scripture as maintained, and we want to ensure the gospel we proclaim is the one that Jesus proclaimed. So in a culture... And a church that wants to redefine everything right and wrong, marriage, the sanctity of life, we react. But let's make sure that our defense of Scripture and the gospel does not become an excuse not to love those with whom we strongly disagree. And I know you got something on that and true religion and and all
1: that stuff, Mike. Yeah, the Scripture is out of James one twenty seven. Now go ahead and read it says pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. He gives an example. To visit orphans and widows in their trouble, and it turns it back to us and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. And just in that in that story that you just shared, it's there's there's definitely a correlation between living out or confessing or having a religion and then living it out. Almost like, you know, like James talks about works. And, yeah. and we know that we're not saved by works, but it's, it's how you live the transformation that has happened inside. It's how you live that out, outwardly. And I just love how this is a, in that story, it's, it's a well-traveled road. It's not like, you know, it's not like out somewhere where no one can find this guy. Yeah. In other words, where we say, well, here's the excuse. It's, it's an untraveled uh, road. No one knew mm-hmm. this guy. No one knew where he was. But it, we can see there's examples that there was, it was well-traveled. Yeah. Somebody knew. Mm-hmm. Just to your point, uh, what you said in the beginning, in the opening comments, where our neighbor, who is our neighbor?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not just, again, it's not just uh, you know, geographically the person right next to you, but that could be who you come in contact constantly. And I think that is a very where, where the impact can happen, where we can live out our undefiled religion, if you will, or our experience that we claim to have inside of us, where we can live that out hourly in everyday life. Mm-hmm. This was an everyday road, a very common traveled road, just like we all have common roads that we travel. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, you know, I always stop at In and Out, you know, or I always go get my coffee in the morning before I head into work. It's those common areas that we're coming in contact with people that we see constantly.
0: Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that about about it being a well traveled road. It wouldn't surprise me when it talks about you know he got he got you know uh, the robbers came after the guy. Mm-hmm. This to me, I, I forget where I read it somewhere, but it seems like it could have been a, a thing where that road that happened somewhat a lot. And if that you know if I'm the Levi or the priest or anybody. I probably know there's this stuff could be happening on this on this road, so I should expect to maybe it wouldn't I shouldn't be surprised if I see things like this. You know, if I go into speak at a funeral, I kind of am prepared with what to say. If I'm speaking at a high school Christian club, I'm kind of prepared with what I'm going to say. These these the Levite and the priest they they should be prepared to know. Hey, there there could be something going down this road. Yeah, at the same time, even though they probably knew that, they decided they, they didn't want anything to do with it. It's like before they even got on the road. Now I, I don't have specific scripture on that. I'm just I'm just, you know, using my imagination, but it's almost like they they knew in advance, but they still weren't willing to do anything at all. You know, and how many people as Christians, we know there are neighbors around us, we know they need Jesus, we know they need love, we know they need community. And as we see them every day, we still choose to do nothing. It's not like out of nowhere, or we just got this neighbor yesterday, but even then, over time, you'd build community. But every day you see your coworkers, you see your neighbors, you see these people, and yet we do nothing. Um, how is that the, the religion of Jesus? How is that Christianity? You know, I mean, it's not, I'm, I'm at fault here too, but if the churches were truly evangelizing to their neighbors and loving on them, a 100-person church should see at least one new person a week from somebody in the church, right? And that's probably low balling, But I'm not saying they all come at once. But if you're praying for your family, you're praying for your coworkers, you're praying for the, the waitress or waiter, and you're, you're, you're praying that God opens the door to invite them and blah, blah, blah. Well, at some point, you, we would see these people coming in. I remember a story of my dad uh, just would just be really nice to people at the restaurant Kiti's. It's a restaurant in Palm Desert here, uh, diner, breakfast, and, and brunch. And my dad would just love on these people. He would tip, you know, maybe above average, just they knew him really well. And it came to a point where they didn't call him Mark, they called him Pastor Mark. He, he was a pastor, but they never went to his church, but he was the church to them. And I think we need to be the church to the people. We need to be that the hands and feet of Jesus out there. To a time where I was sitting there, and we were eating our food, and one of the waiters who wasn't even waiting on us came to us, Hey, can you pray for my wife? She's just really, you know, her her mom's on the hospital bed. It's just really tough on us right now. And literally, as we're eating in this packed out little diner, my dad prays for the guy right then and there. And the guy closes his eyes real quick, and then he has to get back to work. But the never really came to our church, but he knew who my dad was, and he knew the life my dad led, and he was a great guy. He didn't go into a restaurant, order some food, and tip zero cents. You know, like, he lived a life. Um, I think we, if we're going to live a true religion, that is, if you won't even want to call it a religion of Jesus and following him, we need to live that lifestyle first. Um, when I was immersed in deep sexual sin and a gambling addiction, the people in my church for the most part loved me and prayed for me and was there for me every step of the way. When I moved to Kentucky to get help, I got mail from people in the church all the time saying they're praying for me, sending me, you know, just, uh Boxes of goodies and different things, and every step of the way. And when I came back in the town, they're like, "We miss you. We're praying for you. We're still praying for you. We love you." And I challenge you first and foremost. No, we're talking about our neighbor, but you as a Christian who's listening to us—if you are not in a community that, when you're going through something, they're not—they're they're just hating or "How could you do that?" or "Are you kidding me?" Like, yeah, there will always be people that do that. But if you're not in a community that's mostly people that will just love on you and be there for you every step of the way. And I challenge you to sincerely pray to God and say, God, help. Is there a community, a new community you can help me find, that when I'm going through something, they will reach out to me in love? Um, right before, I know Mike has something on love. I want to read this. When we reach out and love and spend time with people that live lifestyles that aren't like ours or ones we disagree with, the church goes into a frenzy. They go crazy. How could you hang out with this person? How could you do that? But we are not loving our neighbors because we love and accept their unbiblical lifestyle. We love and accept them because they were created in the image of God. We were all created in the image of God, and that's why I love and accept and am willing to reach out to these people as their neighbor in love.
1: That's great. I, one thing I want to say is we, we're talking about that word love, right? I think we've kind of have touched a little bit on what, who our neighbor is. But we're talking about love, the greatest commandment um, in uh, Mark chapter twelve. It's uh, similar, to the same story. What is the greatest commandment? The scribes come up to them, and and uh, Jesus answers them, and and tells them, "Love your God with all your strength, all your heart, all your soul." And then he goes, drops down, and says, "The second commandment is right next to it." In other words, these are two are the most important, and it's love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, well, what is love though, right? And I just want to go by way of of Second Timothy uh, chapter three starts off uh, right away it says this is an example of I think what what happens maybe when we get when we misinterpret love or maybe it could be an uh, an insight as to where is love in our generation in these last times Uh, we 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 see it so it could get misunderstood in a relationship maybe a relationship that that's not right maybe you're uh, you know you're with a girlfriend or a boyfriend, and you guys are not married, you're living together, and, you know, you guys aren't doing things that you're supposed to be doing. You're just living outside of God. Well, we say, oh, I love this person, or I'm really in love with this person. And then next month, it's like the infatuation, which is what it was, or the sensualness, you know, where we uh, basically a, 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 an itch that our bodies need to scratch. Not- it's an attachment. Yeah, yeah. And that's all it is. It falls away. But uh, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, But know this, in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. And it's like, I think what happens is is really we need to first define, okay, what is love? And and where does that love come from? There's one view or two views. One would be love defined by the world. And I think that's what you see a lot of. I think that's what you see, uh, you know, when you go around, you see people, boyfriend and girlfriends. I mean, before I was walking with the Lord, before I gave my heart over to the Lord completely and surrendered, I would probably say, yeah, I loved that girl, and then I loved that girl, and I loved that girl. But I really didn't have an understanding of, like, love. It wasn't until the love of God really came into my heart and really defined. That's when I started to understand, oh, man, all that was was just an infatuation. And I think that that's what's missing you is, is for us to really ask for that kind of love. It's not a love that we can just generate out of our own will or our own flesh, but a love that really gets poured out on us, just like Jesus went to the cross out of love. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, you see the sign everywhere, football games, wrestling matches, John 3, 16, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, For God so loved the world. I mean, that's, that's agape love, a love that we are called to love our neighbor, love our fellow brother, our fellow a Christian sister. It's that love. So I think it's important to, uh, you know, think about what is love and define love in the biblical view as opposed to the worldview, which uh, in that story, I think the love grew, grew cold. In the last days, it's no longer a love for God. It's a love for ourselves and what feels good. I think that's a, an important aspect, I think, that we have to you know, just ask ourselves, how am I loving? And what kind of love am I using? In other In other words, it is love that should motivate me to reach out.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, if you think about it, because you mentioned John three sixteen, for where God so loved the world. Well, part of his world was the people around it. You know, part of our world, you know, is the people around us. So I almost, I'm not trying to take out and add in the scripture, but you could almost make it seem like for God so loved his neighbor that he gave his one and only son you know jesus literally died when it says for the world you think of back then he's dying for all those people who are against him standing you know right there he died for the very people who went against him are in the process of killing him thereafter have killed him and will continue to believe what they did was justified and he's still died for them, knowing that, knowing all of that. And I like what this says by John Calvin. He said, the Lord commands us to do good unto all men without exception. Throughout the majority are very undeserving when judged according to their own merits. But scripture here helps us out with an excellent argument when it teaches us that we must not think of man's real value, but only of his creation in the image of God to which we owe. God made us in his image. We are supposed to love people, be there for people. Um, I also uh, found this. Our identity isn't found in our outward righteousness or our righteous good works, nor is it found in our sexual identity or past and our current sinful struggles. Our identity is found in a forgiving and loving Savior. Mm -hmm. If our identity is found in a forgiving and loving Savior, And shouldn't we be forgiving and loving to our neighbor? Now, I got some questions here. Um, I haven't told Mike these questions ahead of time, so these aren't things he's jotted down. It's off the top of the dome. And I tell you, when I saw some of these questions, I thought to myself, I didn't know how to answer them. So don't think, because I'm a volunteer at my church, and this guy works at a church, that we have all the answers. But um, some of these, we might not be able to answer and I'm going to start with, in my mind, some easier ones, and then we will progress to harder ones. Um, so what if someone has totally, totally different spiritual beliefs as you but wants to continue to be a friend, hang out, go out to eat, do stuff, I mean in a normal friendship way, but they to- they're, they're atheists or they're agnostic or they're open and affirming and they truly believe all these things. If someone has totally different spiritual beliefs as you, and they want to invite you out to eat or to hang out once in a while. What do you do?
1: Well, depends on uh, where we're gonna go eat. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it's in and out, let's go. Yeah. Uh, no, not uh, out
0: and in, just in and out. Just
1: in and out. Yeah. That's right. And no, I, I, would. I mean, I have friends like that. You know, um, just because you know, you're, uh, I'm a Christian. You know, I live my life a, a certain way uh, to the best that I can. It doesn't mean that I want to surround myself with like people. Of course I do. I want a fellowship with the brothers and sisters. I, w- I want that fellowship, that strength. But, I mean, I, you know, have a job. I, I'm, I'm around people that, uh, that don't believe uh, the way I do. And I've, I've had relationships like that. I recall having a very, very good friend, okay? And he just wanted to continue his life the way, I mean, he just wanted to continue sinning. I was at a point where I didn't want to do that anymore. I, I, I wanted to change. I was like, I don't want a part of this. But you know what? There was a friendship there. And and I just continued to hang out with him so long as it wasn't where I was being uh, kind of led down a road. a while or he was doing that bad stuff. Exactly. Like, no. And you know what? I mean, he was a good friend. And he, uh, he still is. We just haven't caught up in a long time. But he knew where I stood. And I had to stand firm sometimes and say, you know what, I'm not going to meet you at the club. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not going to meet you at the bar. You know, how about the coffee shop, right? Yeah, yeah. And so it's okay to have that. I think when you respect one another that way, I think it keeps the door open. Yeah. And, and instead of, uh, like you said, you know, it's not so much, well, I can't do that, I can't do this, I can't do that. It's more like, look, uh, how about we do this? And then, you know. They'll keep try it to find a way and find a way because, again, you want to keep that door open. You, don't, you never know what God's going to do, and of you course. want to keep it open.
0: Well, and you, if you're living your life that exudes, like your lifestyle exudes a, a legitimate Christian, not like Christians say, but someone who's truly loving their neighbor, then if you politely say, no, you know, I, I just can't go there or whatever, and you recommend something else, they would be willing to do that if you have been a great friend to them. Absolutely. If you have been there for them, then they would they would be willing. to say, you know what? Okay, you know. And if they're like, "Nah, you won't go here with me," blah, blah, well, maybe from their perspective, it wasn't a legitimate friendship in their minds. Whereas for you, you did what you could do. Um, but you was talking about that stuff. The the key I thought of was when you said, "You know, we haven't talked in a while. Looks like you got homework this week, man. You got to send out is. a text." <laughs> That's, there right. You go. Um, That's right. Another one we have here. um This one's kind of big for me, and I have to keep myself in check a lot, is what if someone you know, a friend of yours, and they start telling you about how they're going to support or vote for someone who has the total opposite beliefs as you? Specifically as Christians, we kind of hold dear to our political beliefs. I don't know how political we should get on the church stage. That's a different topic, you know. But I do believe there are Christian values that we should stand for. I'm not saying we vote for a person. We're not voting like... Our soul, you know, we're voting our beliefs. We're voting what we, you know, for what we believe in the Bible. But if you have someone you know that um, just totally goes against your Christian beliefs, you know, they are totally against Christian morals, and they're going to vote for someone who believes those things. Um, and, you know, for me, I have a friend who um, I talk all the time about politics with, and he isn't a Christian, but we have a great friendship. We hang out maybe once. Every other month, but we text like every every other week. Hey, you see the news or this and that, and we talk about life and sports and and um, we have this great friendship. But he has the total opposite political beliefs as me. But we don't get into a grudge match. We don't like fight each other. But I'm still his friend, and we'll have a friendly conversation about what we believe. But the way I've lived my life towards him showed me that after we got older and we got more into the news and things like that. He still came to me with different things. He still came to me with issues he had, regardless of our political stance, because he knew how I was and how I lived my life and how I treated him. How you treat people you disagree with, or how you treat people that disagree with you, can make a big difference in future spiritual conversations you could have. Someone disagrees with you on something, and you still treat them with nice words, and you love them, and you still be their friend as much as they allow you to, who knows what that could open up the door to. But what would you do if someone um, totally opposite views as you, you're a Christian, you want to vote your Christian beliefs on a certain proposition, on a certain political leader, state, you know, mayor, president, whatever, and they're totally going the opposite as you. You know, what do you do with all that?
1: Well, here's the way I want to respond to that is when you have friends that you disagree, it could be politics. For example, you're, you're giving me this question about politics. I think it's very important uh, because what we're talking about is relationship, friendship. That's a relationship. I, I believe that, yeah, you should definitely, if you can, you can uh, uh, have a conversation without it turning into some sort of bitterness or some uh, personal attack. I think or that takes a long, offended. strong friendship. You've had it, with someone. Absolutely. It does take a long one. But it goes back to relationships should trump any of you. I mean, that's it good. could be political view. Uh, it could be uh, view sports. about marriage, yeah. sports. I mean, whatever else gets us very, you know, yeah. I think heated. I think politics is one of those things that can get it religion.
0: That's why I brought it up and today because today's day and age, politics totally splits people in, in a way that's not good. But to me, as a neighbor, we're especially us living in California, for me personally, my political beliefs, I'm going to have neighbors that are totally opposite of that all around me. And that's why I brought up that question, because how would I react as a Christian who might believe and maybe vote on certain things one way, and that's a big deal to other people, and how do I treat them when they're voting something that totally goes the opposite of me, and in general conversation with my neighbors, we talk about these just life or things, and those things you brought up, how do I treat them? Do, do I be like, oh, you voted for abortion, or you voted for this and that? Like, how does that look on me when later on I see an opening to, to reach them with the gospel, and they're like, Get out of here. You were just the other day. You were, people will hold on to the littlest things that we don't even know about in the back of their minds. So when we go to reach them, like I remember when he was telling me he was against this, this and that. And then there's a way to go about it respectfully, lovingly and still be there for them. If that even conversation comes up.
1: I think one great example uh, is, is this. You know, remember when when Jesus was getting nailed. I mean, talk about different views or different opinions. You know, here's the son of God, knowing he's the son of God. You have a whole group saying, no, you're not. You're 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 a blasphemer. You know, you're you have demons inside of you. I mean, I mean, these Pharisees, they they give it all to Jesus, no matter what. I mean, so there was some opposing views there. But yet, as that whole thing is happening, Jesus getting nailed. He says, forgive him for they know not what they do. Mm -hmm. Okay, he still had that for him relationship trumped anything that was going on. Because he knew what he was doing. He knew that he still loved on them. It's the reason why he went to the cross is that relationship. Relationships should always trump, I think, yeah. the subject, if you will. Another thing uh, I just want to say is that there's, there, there will come a time where politics, sports, whatever viewpoint you have, they're all going to fall away. When the time of crisis comes, they're going to want someone, that knows who Jesus is. They're going to want someone who has, has time and time again, no matter how many opposing views or no matter how many times, you know, they've bumped heads with that person. Uh, and, and, and if that person's a good Christian, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, just walking it out, right? Loving on the person, uh, responding in love. I think that's going to win. I think it's going to win out. So when, when a crisis hits, I'm talking like some real stuff that's heavy. You know, hey. I have cancer. Hey, uh, my mom just died. Yeah. Hey, I mean, I'm talking about some real stuff that surfaces and where it doesn't matter who's in office, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter that I'm voting Democrat or I'm voting Republican or I'm a liberal. None of that stuff matters when you have a bad report and some something, you know, hey, I only have a few months to live. All that is going to fall away because it really, really doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. What matters then is relationships. And I think if you keep a good relationship with that friend, and you give a keep a good relationship with the Lord, I think that's an opportunity for God to move through you for that person. Well,
0: four things that came in my mind right now. All <laughs> right. So, first, first one is what you just said: a, a good friend. To me, a good relationship from a Christian perspective doesn't mean it's good on both ends. It means to me, I'm going to be your friend, and love you, even if you spit in my face and hate me, or you only come to me in pain and you reject me the other 99 times out of 100, I'm still going to be there for you the one time you come to me because that's going to win them over. The other thing is, think of like I, I heard some stats, I don't know them exactly, the Sunday after 9-11 happened, they had record numbers of people in church, people who they, they didn't know where to turn. They, they, they started going. They just had to figure it out. And as much as I didn't want that event to happen, if you look it up, I bet you'd be able to find stories of people who got saved thereafter, 9-11, going to a church. I also um, heard this just the other day. When your pain becomes bigger than your fear, then you're willing to be honest and open. You see, sometimes we, we don't want to share things with people. We don't want to share things with our neighbor. Like this. The, the person who doesn't go to church, they don't want to share things with us sometimes because they're scared, but then when that pain becomes too unbearable, when that brokenness becomes too unbearable, they're willing to come forth and share that. Now, as we as Christians, are we willing to be ready for that? Are we willing to, when they come to us, are we ready for that? And you mentioned earlier point of view. I think it's, it's literally, you know, the people who saw Jesus on the cross, who wanted him there, they saw that point of view, where they were just hurling insults at him. You look at Jesus' point of view, Literally through his eyes, he's still showing and saying things of compassion toward them. Loving our neighbor, to me, means even when they hate you, even when they want nothing to do with you, for whatever reason, you still love them. <coughs> you're still there for them. Um, we got two more. We'll make them quick. Um, three more questions, then we'll get to close. What if, um, and legitimately, like, your, your first reaction, because it's easy for me to say what I would want to say, but what would I legitimately do? Um, what if a homeless person came into your church, like on a Sunday morning service?
1: You know what, man? That uh, I don't even have to uh, imagine that. There was a Sunday where uh, there were homeless. Um, all right, I don't know how you're going to qualify this, but they were living out, out of their car. All right, so I know were, that
0: by state, they're going to start counting that in their homeless count Okay. moving I, forward. So all right. by California law, they, that will count as homeless.
1: Yeah, and, and just so listeners know, I mean, uh, if you know, watch the news, California, I mean, we have, I uh, talk about a crisis, and, and again, I don't want to go into all, you know, who's to blame and all yeah, that. Don't, but don't I get mean, me started. No, yeah, I, yeah. I won't, I won't, but I mean, it's there, right? So mm-hmm. uh, here's the thing, churches are going to see this. If they have not yet, churches will start seeing, okay, more homeless uh, people coming in, into their doors, okay? But that, this did happen, and, um, you know, I want to say, hey, man, we, 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 were, we were stellar. We, uh, we you know, passed the test with flying colors uh, because I don't think that we did. I was, it really did break my heart. And, and here's the thing. I think it was the grace of God only that I was able to connect with them. Uh, like like mentioned, I doing the new friends ministry. You know, my radar is up and out and kind of looking for some faces that I haven't seen before. And this, this was that, one of those situations. We had our breakfast in the morning, right? And um, they came in, and I greeted them and, you know, tried to start some small talk. And I didn't, I didn't really look at them any different. I, I kind of had a sense something was up, you know, like oh, they're maybe not doing so well, that kind of thing. And, and I remember just going, you know what, I don't even care if they stay for, for the service, right, because uh, for those of you are listening, it's summertime. We, we, we have a fellowship breakfast before our service, and, and so this was one of those times in the summer. I didn't even care if they stayed. In other words, I didn't care if, like, oh, man, they got to come in here and they got to hear the gospel. And, I, you know, hey, yes, I always want people to hear the gospel. I always want people to stay. They came, they ate, and they left. And, and I, just, I just prayed that they would have felt the love of God just in that small interaction. And, and what I mean by maybe not passing with flying colors or, uh, you know, they, they, their first interaction wasn't a good one. You know, their first interaction was, well, what are you guys here for? You know, you guys want some cash? You guys want, you know, what do you guys want? Yeah. And, and, and those folks were about to leave. And I, I again, by the grace of God, I, I happened to kind of intersect. I think somebody used the bathroom, and I, that, they came out, and I just, I just ran into them kind of. And, and that's where I started talking to them. And, and one of the things they said, oh, man, when they got the initial contact, they, they said to themselves, these folks aren't Christian. Okay, that right there broke my heart. Now, I didn't know that until after all this, right? And and it really did break my heart. I thought, man, thank you, God, that that through, I mean, through me, they were able to leave with not that interaction, not that initial, yeah. uh, you know, interaction. But, hey, those people do show the love of God. Mm-hmm. So I, I would just, I, I pray that it wouldn't if they, they would roll in I'd be the same way. Hey, come on in. You know, what can we do for you? You know.
0: And what would you say um, sim- similar in the sense that someone comes in your church, two women holding hands, gay couple. They're not not some agenda, not trying to promote something. They just, you know, I read this book where someone asked that question. Well, there's this two women holding hands and they happened they just started coming to our church. And they were sitting in, like, one of the first few rows next to my family, you know, and I'm one of the main leaders here. What what should we do? And it was like a questions and answers type of um, chapter. And the first thing the writer says is, well, first off, praise God, you have a lesbian couple coming to your church. And to me, I was like, I had to think about it for a second. I'm like, that to me says your church is doing something that is either somehow in the community or this, there's this sense, there's this presence of God. I've had people come to church, and they just felt something different as they walk in, not because of us, but because God's moving when, when we're following his word. And there's a lesbian couple looking for something. They're searching for something. That's why they have come to your church service. They are looking for something. They need something. They want something. And for some reason, they've turned to the church. Whether it's bad motives or not, they've at least turned to the right place where we can give them the right answers. And, but sometimes there are people who look at that and be like, oh, they're holding hands or blah blah blah. Like, I I get it. Each church has different bylaws, rules, and leadership things. But for someone to come to your church, for me personally, I would not bat an eye if two guys were holding hands and came to our church. Eventually, at some point, through us loving them, and if they keep coming, having more neighbor like interacts with them, then those conversations would come up. The ones that might need be. If they want to become members of our church or they want to, hey, I would love to serve in this, then we can have that conversation. But the first thing when they come to those doors holding hands, I'm not going to come up to them after service and say, hey, you know, you can't do that here. That, that would just, because there are probably couples, sadly, men, women, couples hold hands, come to church, and they're living unbiblical lifestyles behind the scenes. But we don't bat an eye that they're holding hands and they're dating or they're married, but yet they live a swinger lifestyle. They get drunk all the time, do all these things. But two people seeking out some type of searching for something, and we're just going to shun them away the first the first time they walk through those doors, because they're holding the wrong gender's hand. When our identity isn't found in healthy heterosexuality, our identity is found in
1: Jesus. Um, but but what would, what would you think? What would you what would you say to that? You know, uh, at my first thought was be like, okay. Uh, yeah, wow. That's you know we don't see that too often coming into the into the church, and that to me right there is it's it's uh, it's revealing. Even just having that mm-hmm. that response, like we don't have that too often. We don't see that too often. And in this scenario, if they weren't trying to, you know, uh, they, you know maybe they they weren't trying to disrupt, you know, and that if could be were, anybody,
0: not just LGBT. Oh anyone yeah, Anyone can yeah. try to disrupt.
1: Right. Anyone can. I mean, yeah. Everybody has their own agenda, right, and so they'll come in and, and disrupt a, a worship service, but yeah, I would, I would definitely, here's, I, I man, I remember, I, I feel like I've had these conversations before, uh, in, in, in life, but I remember, uh, speaking with someone, and they kind of were, like, very, uh, they were just unloving, all right, to put it that way, about, uh, homosexuality, right, and I remember having this thought, and, and, uh, you know, I I don't know. I've always it's never really bothered me. You know, mm. where uh, I I don't know if that's just kind of I've in the area that I grew up when there was there's there, was, there was a lot of homosexuals. So I mean, it wasn't like uh, like as a kid, but as an adult in the working force, there was a lot of homosexuals that worked at the place where I worked at, and I've grown relationships with them, uh, friendships. You know. Mm-hmm. And I, I I wasn't hiding my, you know, m- my walk with the Lord. They knew I was a Christian man. They they knew it. Uh, so I guess for me, my response were this person said something, you know, to the effect like, well, I can't believe they're like that. Or, oh, man, you know, God doesn't, God's going to do something really bad to them. And, you know, my question is like, you know, here's the unfortunate part is that they're living a lifestyle outwardly that, that we can see, right? Yeah. I mean, they're two guys or two girls yeah. okay so we can see that it's easy to identify it's easy to just spot them i go but their sin is still sin
0: yeah
1: i mean i could be walking around and having sin inside of me i could be you know hiding sin what, what makes me better than that person Nothing. god got god, nothing right i mean we know that sin is sin and all sin required the sacrifice of jesus christ and so i would hope that we, we could see that. I mean, yeah. now I'm a dad. I have a, a son. I have a little girl. It, it's one of those kind of areas where I go, okay. Do I want to talk to my son about that already? Yeah. You know, or do I want to talk to my little girl about that already? And it's a tough time that we're living in yeah. as a, as being a parent, where you kind of want to be in control of of counseling. Kids through that kind of uh, yeah that kind of lifestyle, but sometimes it's just it's out there and you kind of have to have the conversations quicker than you. Than you I mean, like, every well, dad wants to wait, you know what I mean? Well, for that talk, I, I'm but.
0: not. I'm not <laughs> a parent. I don't have kids, but I would say is if we as a church are wanting to reach to all people, then we should be ready for all situations. Absolutely. Now I know that I'm saying that as someone who's not a parent. So these conversations, even if you know at some point they might come about, you can be as prepared as you want and it still might be a hard conversation. Someone who preaches their first sermon, they gotta be prepared for weeks, they gotta have all these notes, and then they get up on that stage in front of everybody, and now they're losing their mind and it's like they're nervous, they're sweating bullets. So you, these are things you might not always be ready for, but um, you know, these are things that are part of loving our neighbor. Um, I got a few examples and we'll close with a few scripture. Um, uh, there's this ministry I get emails from. They give me articles, XXX Church. It was started by this guy, and eventually he passed on to this couple. And this couple, they got ordained as pastors um, from their home church to be able to take over this ministry. And the wife used to be a porn star and a porn director, and the husband, before he even met her, he lived a life that I wanted to be celibate until I married my godly wife. They eventually... She got saved through this ministry, and then they um, got married. And this ministry goes to porn conventions at, you know, convention places. And, they, and they, um, they set up a table. Jesus loves you. They hand out Bibles. They would go to the neighboring tables of these people in the industry, and they would give them coffee. And this lady said that one time this lady gave her coffee. And she said, well, how much do I owe you? No, I, you know, we're just at the table over here, XXX Church. We're just loving on people. We just wanted to give you coffee, let you know you're loved. And then ever since a few interactions with her, she said every time she went to a convention that she knew they were going to be at, she always wanted to talk to and have a conversation with that one person, who would, that one lady would always give her coffee and just say hi. So eventually that led to her being curious, Eventually that led to her taking a Bible from the of the tables, events that led to her getting saved. Now, most Christians would be like, I can't go into, I can't go do that. Now, I get it like if you have a bad history with stuff like that, you might need some time away. Like, you're not going to reach out to people, your bar friends, after, you just decide, after you've just after you been set free from alcohol for a week, you know. You might need more time in the church, you know, praying, seeking more, and getting more time away from your sin. But I do believe at some point, because it, it, I do believe God can make us stronger, sometimes God can send you to places that we might not initially be willing to go. And as Christians, how could you go there? There are lives getting saved and changed, you know. There are churches I've heard of that started their first building they met in a bar or a club Sunday mornings. They're, and honestly, it's smart for the bars and clubs. They're not being used Sunday mornings, and, they, and they're going to get extra money anyways. And the, a lot of the, some of these stories I would hear, the church would clean it up real nice. They would get the smell out of there, and they would have their service, and they put everything back together for the bar or club. People are like, how can you have your church in a bar? My, my mom, their, her church started when she was in when we lived in New York. Many, many years ago, it started in like a bar. And they my dad said they would clean it all the uh, my mom and the pastors, people they would clean it all up, make it look nice, get try to get the smell, and they'd have a service there. And how many people started going to that church and in the long run, maybe got saved, or people walking into the bar, seeing it was open when it really wasn't, it was a church, and maybe who knows what could have happened. Maybe years later they they remembered that and they went started going to this other church. And in heaven you just don't know the the implications of loving your neighbor that you're going to see in heaven. I look at Christian artists who perform at secular venues. Uh, When I used to do music, me and my friend Colin, we performed at a hookah lounge a few times. We got invited, and we did Christian music there. I was in a hardcore band. We did music with, with secular bands at secular venues. But God opened those doors. Some people are like, how can you be on secular radio? Or how can you do this and that? If God's called you there, yes, you're going to need extra strength. Yes, you're going to need accountability. Yes, you're going to need people around you. But we need to be willing to go to places that the church says they won't go, but Jesus is saying we need to go. Um, churches that don't evangelize to their local neighbor aren't churches. They're country clubs.
1: Mm. We have a lot of those around here. Yes. Country clubs. We literally, we literally in the <laughs> Palm Springs area
0: have country clubs. But I was thinking about it. If all you do is it's gather together and hang out for an hour and a half once a week, and maybe if you're more religious, you come to the midweek service, and that's all you do, and you don't tell anybody. Maybe you're nice to the new people that come in. You're more like a country club, just a closed area in, in, in the clubhouse where you hang out together, except for ours is spiritual. I read a story. This uh, We're going to end right here. I read a story of a pastor couple that had lesbian neighbors. They found out, as they became more involved in getting to know them, that they were lesbian. The lesbians uh, eventually found out they were pastors. One day when the lesbian couple went outside and saw them, they went up to them and said, hey, we mean to tell you, um, this Friday we wanted to see if you guys would come over for dinner. Um, what did the husband and wife say? They didn't say no. They said yes. Why? Because that's community. Over time, that lesbian couple found out more and more what the, those pastors' lives were like, and they became more curious about God. They became more curious about Jesus and the Bible why? Because they knew they were good neighbors. You don't reach people with picket signs. You reach them with love and being a good neighbor. If I were to say, "No, we're not going to go eat uh, at your house," because you know what, we have different beliefs. You know what I mean? Like, how would how are you ever going to reach? the how are you going to reach the Mormons? How are you going to reach the atheists? How are you going to reach the liberals, conservatives? I mean, the people who anybody who has different beliefs than you. Uh, you don't have to agree with someone to love them. That is very key in the whole loving your neighbor. I'm not accepting, I'm not loving and accepting you because you're unbiblical lifestyle. I'm loving and accepting you, like we said earlier, because you are made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. Now, everything we say, we back up with scripture. I got two scriptures here, and then we'll do our final thoughts. Romans 13, 8 and 10, 8 to 10. Oh, no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. 1 John 4, 20, 21. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. People, people, you want to disagree with what I'm saying. I'm taking this straight from Scripture. You cannot love God unless you love your brother, love your sister, love your neighbor. It's the fulfilling of the law. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. How are you showing love when you put up picket signs? How are you showing love that is actually doing wrong? Because love does no wrong to a neighbor. Picket signs isn't love. Saying you hate someone because they live a certain lifestyle isn't showing them love. Now, again, you don't have to agree with them to love them. But love is the fulfilling of the law, and we are called to love our neighbors. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Are you loving your neighbor? That's my final law. Are you loving your neighbor, your LGBT neighbor, your, your Mormon neighbor, your Jehovah Witness neighbor, your coworker worker that, that doesn't believe in God at all? your 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 coworker that maybe says they believe in God but they got a twisted view of him your your coworker that has different political beliefs, different sports beliefs someone who just gets on your nerves and just annoys the crap out of you every day someone who just is super annoying you don't want to be around him. are you loving everybody are you loving your friends, the people you like maybe the new people that come into your church once in a while, or are you loving everybody because if you're not loving everybody around you to the best capacity you can. With the wisdom, as you read your Bible and pray to God and attend church and get that wisdom from God and have his guidance around you, are you truly loving everybody? Are you truly loving your neighbor like we learned in the Good Samaritan story? Final thoughts, Mike.
1: This is my final thought is, is simply this. If anything you heard today or tonight, if any of it uh, convicts you, you say, you know what, I, I don't think I'm doing that very well. Or I don't think I'm doing that at all in terms of loving your neighbor. Or, you know what, I, I let my view of politics, my view of sports, my view of what I think even my religion is, it should be, and that person does not. I ask, I really do sincerely ask, just like I would ask of it myself. Lord, help me. Pray. Pray in, uh, in, in Matthew, I believe it's nine, chapter nine. It's where, where it talks about the compassion of Jesus. And in fact, he had uh, he had got into it with the Pharisees and how he said, you guys are all hypocrites. You guys are washed, whitewashed tombs. The whole the whole I believe this is just my interjection. I believe the whole thing there that Jesus was getting at is that you guys are uh, It even says you guys shut up the kingdom. And in other words, he's saying, you guys missed it. You guys guys are not looking at your neighbors. And in that, he says, behold, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Mm -hmm. And then he calls his disciples over and says, hey, pray the Lord of the harvest Mm -hmm. to send out those laborers. Guys, we are those laborers. And if you say, well, you know what? I don't see the harvest, or I see only political views, or I don't see how even I can love my neighbor, then I would say, pray, just like I would. Lord, give me your compassion to see them not as a political view, not as a lifestyle, not as the enemy of God, but as a harvest, as a field, as people who are made in the image of God. And pray that you would partake in that laboring, laboring of love, and that's, that's that's really my final thought. Don't try to do it on your own. Pray, and allow God to fill your heart up with love. And then I think that's at least a good place to start. To and start living and I would time.
0: end with these initial thoughts you might have about seeing someone. We can't necessarily control that at first, but afterwards, you can, God, forgive me, God, help me. You see an LGBT couple come to your church, you might be shocked at first, Hey, look. Initial thought, okay. Lord, forgive me. But then start reaching out to them. Don't keep those thoughts. Don't keep. Wow, there's a homeless person in my church. Maybe that just plopped out of your mind. Okay, well, get back up. Start start retraining your mind through Jesus. So the next time someone comes in, you have a compassion for them, and you can still have compassion on that first person. But um, that's why I would say this was uh, our topic: when religion gets away with loving your neighbor. If we miss the mark, you hate us, or you, you don't like what we said. Email us, brokenness to faith at gmail.com or at brokenness2faith underscore two, um, underscore faith on Instagram. Um, we thank you guys for listening. This was uh, Marky Mark and our special guest, Mike Alejo, from the New Friends Ministry at Valley Christian Assembly. Thank you guys for listening. If you have any questions, concerns, or things you want us to talk about, again, email us, Instagram us, wherever you want. We'd love to hear from you guys. Thank you for listening, and um, have a great day.